Good morning, Rising Freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Nice to see you all here. Thanks for joining us on the Wake Up America show. It's Tuesday. How are you feeling today? Glad to have you here. I just pushed the button and you're happy. Welcome to the Wake Up America show where everything is fun, everything is freedom, and we like to rise in freedom. I uh, appreciate it. On Onion Dip is joining us over on the live stream this morning. Glad to have you here. Did you miss me? Answer. No, God! Just kidding. Yes, we did miss you. We're glad to have you here. As well as David Lee. Feeling a little cranky this morning, David? Seeing over the live stream, he's like, for a non-Christian, you sure play a lot of Christmas music. Yeah, I freaking love How it. How dare you? I love Christmas. I like to celebrate that. I celebrate Hanukkah. Pretty much any kind of party, uh, I'm down. I'm always down to party. We're going to have a great show this morning. I'm excited to have you here. I love when our guests text the show. I've been having a great conversation just a nice back and forth with Jace LinkedIn. He is the uh, co-host of the Free State podcast with his wife, Liberty Laura LinkedIn. And I've really been enjoying having a back and forth. You can text the show too, start a conversation, a dialogue back and forth, send me news stories, whatever's on your mind, just like they do at 573-319-1586. You can text the show anytime, night or day. Monday through Friday at 573-319-1586. All right, let's get to the news here. First, just a real quick story about something we're still trying to figure out happened in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, but a house exploded, and <laughs> I'm not exactly sure what the hell happened. They're, the police are saying that it's a flare gun. But you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. If you're listening to the audio version of this later, uh, I apologize. You can't see it. Obviously, that's a great way. That's why it's a great reason to start the day. But let's take a look at this video right here. And I used to live in Arlington, Virginia, so I think I know where this house was. Watch this house. It's getting ready to be raided by the cops, which has my conspiracy like senses, Spidey conspiracy uh, senses tingling this morning. But watch this. This is wild. <laughs> now, okay, so there's going to be some bad words here. FYI, I apologize. All right, let me just like go back and we're going to, I'm going to just slowly go through this for you. This is the miracle of the internet technology. Now watch this. Now you got the house here. Watch how the whole roof just goes, lies off the top there. There you go. We got our slow motion cam. I mean, this is seems like more than a flare gun. Okay, so a flare gun will light something that will do something like this, but a flare gun by itself is not going to do something like this. So my guess is one of two things. One, I think the easiest explanation the simplest explanation is almost always the most likely uh but i think that this is probably a gas leak and then he probably he maybe he turned on the gas at his gas stove see this is why the left wants to ban the gas stoves no, you know God! they do no god please or he says i want one of those flare guns yeah for sure and then steffi my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife is probably got it right it's probably a meth lab uh, and yeah, that, there are meth labs all over this country and houses that you wouldn't expect. Arlington is a very wealthy county, but check this out. Blackout. 
But the fact that there were police were there getting ready to stage a raid makes me think it's more likely that it was a meth lab or something like that. So uh, when you say hopefully nobody was in there, um, I'm going to guess, Stephanie, that there probably was somebody in there to shoot off the flare gun. Anyways, so Arlington County Police said the officers were trying to execute a search warrant when a suspect fired several rounds from inside the house. Officers suffered minor injuries but nobody needed to go to the hospital, which is good. But the condition of the suspect is not immediately known. So at the moment, we're still trying to figure it out. So police said that they were investigating after someone had fired a flare gun in the house, which apparently they had already done. But I don't know. We don't know the story. It's just a great video. So anyways, what do you think? Love to hear your theories. You can send them in at a text at 573-319-1586. The snowflakes on the background kind of match up with the fiery debris, says Quest Fanning. Very funny. <laughs> it was a fiery but mostly peaceful night before Christmas and all through the house, says Studio 314. Very funny. You. Very good, Studio. We appreciate you very much. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in this morning. It's nice to see 131 people joining us live right now. You rock. That's my sensei likes to say. The suspect is probably in orbit right now, I am guessing, says Brashing. You guys are hilarious. Uh, don't forget to text the show today. Let us know how you feel about things at 573-319-1586. And of course, click that like button if you haven't already and subscribe to the channel. We're trying to grow and spread the ideas of economic freedom and personal liberty. Somniferum says it must have been an AR-15. You guys are full of good jokes. You guys are what you guys all need to have your own podcast. Way funnier than I am this morning. All right. So Joe Biden is in trouble. The walls are Closing in, the White House is scrambling, and KG, KJP, Karine Jean-Pierre, the diversity hire for the White House uh, Communications Office, uh, she went running when she was asked about Hunter Biden's firm funneling money to Joe Biden. The House Oversight Committee announced that they have evidence of monthly payouts from Hunter Biden's firm that go to Joe Biden. Oh, he's in trouble now. Oh, he's in trouble now. Uh, we'll see, though. Obviously, President of the United States gets to do whatever he wants, apparently. Uh, I forgot to set up the show for you today I'd, and tell you all the great guests that we're going to have. Sorry about that. We'll get to the news here in just a moment. Uh, before I um, do, though, just want to let you know, John Miltimore, we missed him yesterday. He was driving, couldn't make it on the show. He's joining us this morning at 730 And he wrote a piece in the Washington Examiner titled, A Scientist Who Helped Fauci Discredit the Lab Leak Theory Is Now Speaking Out. So we're going to hear from Miltimore on that on Tuesday. It's going to be Miltimore Tuesday. And at 8 8 a.m. this morning, Camelia Peterson is going to join us. We always love having Camelia on the show. She's going to talk to us about really weird behavior from Fox News, cutting off Donald Trump while he was live on the air to counter his election fraud claims, which makes me think that apparently Fox News is really jumpy about election fraud claims after the, what was it, a billion dollar settlement that they engaged in once um, they got sued over uh, election fraud claims that have been going down for the last several years. And of course they fired Tucker Carlson over that, uh, allegedly, allegedly. Uh, and Camelia Peterson is going to talk to us about that and break down the primary a little bit at 8:30 a.m. I'm excited. We got a really big guest today, Dave Rubin, who is pretty damn famous in right-wing political circles. He's going to be joining us this morning. You know that he endorsed Governor Ron DeSantis uh, very early in the primary campaign, 
And a couple of weeks ago, when I wrote a piece saying how DeSantis supporters have been really mean to me online, <laughs> um, like, oh, yes. Uh, well, when I said that they basically have been like really aggravatingly annoying, um, people were like, well, you need to talk to some people from the, from the DeSantis campaign. So I go, all right, I'd be glad to talk to anybody from the, anybody who wants to come on from the DeSantis campaign, let's do it. And well, Dave Rubin tweeted at me. And so you'll be joining us today. I'm excited to talk to Dave Rubin. I haven't talked to him in a couple of years. And apparently surrogate parenting is a big question that people are flying around. So people have been arguing about two things because the news cycle has been really slow, honestly, in the last couple of weeks, not going to lie, it's made my job much harder. But people have not argued about two big things on the internet in the last couple of weeks. One is circumcision, which is like, ugh, you know, I find the practice distasteful. And two, they've been arguing about surrogate parenting. So surrogate parenting apparently is the, is the thing where two, you know, gay people will essentially hire a mother to be implanted with one or both of their sperm. And um, then they will adopt the child from the biological mother. And of course, social conservatives are we're just up in a tizzy about this. They are not fans of this idea. And Dave Rubin, I believe, has done it or is doing it. Um, I'll have him confirm with that, that with us at 8.30 a.m. How do you feel about surrogate parenting? I'm honestly really curious about it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Do you have any, do you think that there's a problem with surrogate parenting? They're called like rent a womb or something. Send us a text with your thoughts on this at 573-319-1586. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also drop them over in the Rumble chat. The downside to the Rumble chat is that the Rumble live chat goes away. And so we won't be able to see your comments in the future. For some people, that's a good thing, perhaps. But I'd love to hear your thoughts. Baseball Mama 03, nice to see you. First time I've seen you here. We always love making new friends. What's up, Baseball Mama? She says, I think they're controlled opposition. Who is? To keep us all fighting amongst one another instead of focusing on the actual issue is just men. Real men would come together and take charge. Where are they? Baseball Mama, I'm curious. Who do you mean when you say they're controlled opposition? I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. KV Andy is 90 is joining us this morning. I love the local Jeffersonians, the Missourians joining us live on the stream. Okay, let's hit the news. Well, Corinne Jean-Pierre, KJP, you know, the diversity hire over at the White House. Uh, when asked about why Hunter Biden set up direct payments for Joe Biden if they weren't in business together, had this to say. Take a look and a listen. Thank you. Uh, the White House has said repeatedly that the president and his son were never in business together. They've said that repeatedly also in this room. Um, according to bank records obtained by the House Oversight Committee, though, uh, one of Hunter Biden's businesses, Osawa PC, set up direct payments to the president. Uh, did the president accept payment? And why would there be such an arrangement if they were never in business together or if there was a wall of separation, as the president has previously said? No so question. To be uh, clear with you, I, I have not seen that report, so I would have to refer you to my colleagues over at the White House Counsel's Office on that particular question. All right, everyone. See some of you in Boston or on Wednesday. Thanks, everyone. Dude, run away. Run away. She's running. And running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running. Let's get it started. Let's get it started in here. Anyway, the House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer said they can now add this claim that Joe never got any direct money to the long list of lies told by Joe Biden and his team on this matter. So this wasn't a payment from 
Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world. So at this moment, Hunter Biden is under investigation by the Department of Justice for using his company, which is called Owasco PC. He's under that corporation is under investigation for tax crimes, uh, or excuse me, tax evasion and other serious crimes. Now, tax evasion, serious crime, not sure that those can necessarily be used in the same sentence, because <laughs> the more we hear about Hunter Biden <laughs> from a libertarian perspective, having guns and drugs at the same time, tax evasion, I mean, sounds libertarian. <laughs> no, Austin, no, you're supposed to hate him. Um, I mean, really, the problem here is not necessarily Hunter Biden, is it? Or is it the, the problem really is Joe Biden? But uh, yeah, I mean, Hunter Biden for facilitating for sure. Anyways, so Joe Biden is exposed as lying about having business dealings with his son, Hunter. That was one of his major claims was that there was a wall of separation between the two. But now, I mean, they, they repeatedly said, and I quote, they were never in business together. But according to the bank records that have been obtained by this oversight committee, Owasco set up direct payments to Joe Biden. So did Joe Biden accept the payments? Why would there be an arrangement if they were in business, if they weren't in business together or if there was a wall of separation? Why would his corporation, why would Hunter Biden's corporation, which is receiving money from China, be sending money to Joe Biden? Methinks they are in deep doo-doo this morning. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us a text at 573 573- 319-1586. Again, the text sign is open today at 573-319-1586. It's great, uh, a great question on the surrogate parent parenting. Looks like people are already sending in their texts. Morning, Austin. No issue with surrogate parenting. As long as all parties are in full agreement and the parents will be good parents. Plenty of horrible straight parents out there, so what's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you this, and and I have not, I'm, I'm like Andy Opperman over in the chat, I have not really deeply considered the morality of surrogate parenting. Um, but if I were to play devil's advocate and to try and, and ask myself, you know, what could possibly be the negative consequences of such, I guess it, we have to ask ourselves a kind of a, the, the meta question on this. Do children deserve to be with their biological parents if the chance is there? Meaning that adoption is a, is a separate question than surrogate parenting, right? And we are going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, but I want your brain turning. And of course, if you have questions for Dave Rubin, who's going to be joining us this morning, then you'll have time to send them in. But I think it's a different question of if you are adopting because you know, the mistake has already been made, the decision has already been made, and that's that. But with the question of surrogate parenting, you're talking about a deliberate act for a woman to have a child and then to take that child away from their biological mother. So the question, of course, is, is, is there, is there, you know, will there be negative, secondary, tertiary consequences to the deliberate act of having a child for the purpose of taking them away from their mother? See, now, social conservatives really, they, they balk at this and they blanch, but I don't know if there really, is, there really is a problem with something like this. I haven't really thought about it deeply enough, so that's why I'm glad that I have Dave Rubin on this one. One listener did send in a text and said, I'm not a big fan of surrogacy. I prefer people to adopt kids. Yeah, that is a good question, but I guess everybody feels like they want to have 
uh, not everybody, but most people I feel like want to have their own biological children. Uh, I certainly feel that sort of, um, I, I, I sort of feel that sort of biological hole, if you will. I think that, that there's a biological clock for men as well. And my wife and I are, you know, we want to have kids soon. Um, and, and so I definitely feel that she, she was not as concerned about having biological children, although she does want to, but if for some reason we couldn't, then adoption would be something that we would be willing to do. So one of the dangers of surrogacy, says Andy Opperman, is that it could come close to trafficking. Ooh, that's interesting. Uh, interesting question there. So anyways, I'll just leave it up to you and your thoughts and you guys can debate it while I move on to the next topic, because we've got a lot to go over. Actually, yeah, I've got more <laughs> Kareem Jean-Pierre clips this morning. She was asked, uh, I think this was kind of a softball question, um, to denounce the cancellations of Hanukkah. Have you been seeing that around the country that Hanukkah celebrations in certain towns have been canceled for the fears of terrorism, which I think is bizarre. But Corinne Jean-Pierre was asked about this at the White House yesterday. Take a listen to her response. Another issue, um, many Jewish Americans this week will begin celebrating Hanukkah, and we've already seen some jurisdictions have had to alter, or in some cases cancel, what used to be public uh, celebrations of this holiday. Does the White House, does the administration have any um, evidence or concern about the safety of some of these demonstrations? And I also wonder if you could talk about um, what the White House's plans are to mark the holiday and if that's been impacted by the war. That's a very good question. Uh, obviously, over the past couple of weeks, since this certainly since this uh, war uh, started, um, it, we have seen the increase of anti-Semitism. Um, and, uh, you know, we understand the fear that people in the Jewish community must be feeling right now, which is why we have taken action to do everything that we can uh, to make sure that uh, people in that community feel protected. Uh, and so that's what we're going to continue to do. I don't have any specifics uh, to lay out as we um, get closer to the holiday, but obviously we have seen an uptick uh, in anti-Semitism. We have seen an uptick in hate, uh, just more broadly in different communities, obviously, uh, also in the Muslim community. And so we will do everything that we can uh, to make sure that these communities feel safe. Sure you will. Okay, she was also asked her thoughts on the uh, the Florida Democratic primary essentially being canceled. Joe Biden doesn't want anybody competing with him for the nomination of his party, not like he necessarily has to worry about it. So does the Florida party then <coughs> effectively canceling the Democratic primary also constitute voter suppression? I can't speak to that. Why not? You have to speak to the campaign or the, or the DNC. Does the White House have any thoughts on, on those voters being... I, I can't speak to that. Is it oh, yes. Oh, yes. The White House loves to talk about voter suppression when it's not done by their party. So the story here, effectively, is that the Florida Democratic primary has is, is been canceled uh, because they don't see there being any competition to Joe Biden. So they've just decided not to hold a primary. But isn't that considered to be voter suppression, right? People should be able to have an opportunity to weigh in on their Democratic representatives, correct? But uh, the White House doesn't want to answer those questions. Uh, Donald Trump responded to the, um, to the news about Joe Biden taking direct payments from Hunter Biden's corporation. Take a listen. Remember during the debate, I said to Joe Biden, I said, how come the mayor of Moscow's wife paid you three and a half million dollars? 
And Chris Wallace, how's he doing, by the way? Chris Wallace was the moderator. You shouldn't be allowed to ask that question. I said, well, it's true. The mayor of Moscow's wife paid this family $3.5 million. Why did they get it? What did they do that was worth $3.5 million? They weren't able to explain it. Now it's turned out to be a big case. I was right. Chris Wallace, it was like fighting two people. Of course, that was really like fighting one person. <laughs> that was a beauty. But uh, now it's turned out to be a very big, really big subject. He got three and a half million dollars from Moscow and nobody knows why and they can't justify it. What did you do for the three and a half? At least say you did something. There's nothing. They didn't do anything. You know what they did. Called laundering. Just as I... Gee, Donald Trump getting out there, being a little nasty this morning. Uh, let me ask you something. When you see Donald Trump, he looks, uh, he doesn't look quite as, um, I don't know, just bright and sunny. Usually he's like a nice bright orange, but tell me if I'm wrong. Does he look a little bit like he's got a little bit dark orange? He looks a little bit, I don't know, slower, quieter. That's why I'm interested to hear what, um, what, uh, uh, Camelia Peterson's going to say when she joins us this morning. I apologize. I'm also a little bit slower and quieter this morning. This is uh, Representative James Comer talking about the uh, allegations being made against Joe Biden now that he received money from Hunter Biden's corporation. This is the representative who actually un uncovered those financial transactions. Joe Biden claimed there was an absolute wall between his official government duties and his family's influence peddling scheme. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed his family didn't receive money from China. This was a lie. President Joe Biden claimed he never spoke to his son, Hunter Biden, about the Biden's family's shady business dealings. This was a lie. Now, Hunter Biden's legal team and the White House's media allies claim Hunter's corporate entities never made payments directly to Joe Biden. We can officially add this latest talking point to the list of lies. Today, the House Oversight Committee is releasing subpoenaed bank records that show Hunter Biden's business entity, Owasco PC, made direct monthly payments to Joe Biden. This wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world. At this moment, Hunter Biden is under an investigation by the Department of Justice for using Owasco PC for tax evasion and other serious crimes. The walls are closing in. Ask not for whom the bell tolls, Joe Biden. It tolls for thee. Good morning. Don't forget to click like and subscribe to the channel this morning if you haven't yet already. It looks like it's the first time that we've made friends with our friend Maggie1874 and Tater Salad 68 over on the Rumble chat. What's up, guys? How are you doing? Thanks for joining us today. How did you find the show? I'm I'm curious how you managed to stumble in here. And if you don't mind, don't forget to click subscribe before you leave today. We'd love to have you come back and join us because the Wake Up America show streams live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We'd love to have you come back and join us. Maggie1874 was talking earlier uh, about the, the topic I mentioned earlier, that Hanukkah in some towns across America has been canceled, public Hanukkah celebrations. And she says that an Austrian back in 1987 when I was in Innsbruck warned me to never forget the Holocaust because it could happen again. He's right. Absolutely true. Corey and Callie says, Maggie, my grandmother, who lived in the English countryside near the prisoners of war, warned me many times. She never trusted Germans or Italians my whole life. Yeah, my great uncle um, was killed 
in Italy, uh, unfortunately, by friendly fire. Uh, it turns out that he he had actually captured several Italians, and as he was returning to the to the American lines, the Americans saw him and thought that the Italians around them were creeping up on their position. They actually shelled them, uh, and unfortunately, they killed my uncle as well. He was the only one carrying a gun, and so they just assumed that he had taken them prisoner. Uh, but it was despite the fact that that friendly fire incident occurred, uh, my grandfather, who was his brother, never forgave the Italians after that. Uh, he was always very dodgy about Italians, which is, is, you know, these people, when they live through these conflicts, you know, it's just a completely different mindset, right? The modern, uh, the modern mind cannot comprehend the World War II brain. It's, it, it's fascinating to think about what my grandparents believed politically. They were conservatives who loved Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But at the time, 80 to 90% of Americans loved Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I mean, it's, it's just interesting that now we live in a time when it's very popular, and myself included, to dislike and intensely Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But people who lived during that time, they saw him as a savior. They saw, someone who, uh, they saw him as someone who defeated the Nazis. They saw him as someone to be admired and to look up to, and that's why they elected him four times as president of the United States. Of course, when we as liberty lovers look at what FDR's legacy was, we see it as a great evil in the world. But two things can be true at once. Can they not? What do you think? You can text your thoughts in if you'd like to have them heard on the show at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. Well, Anthony Fauci apparently has a leaker. Take a listen to this. My next guest who's going to be joining here, me here in just a few minutes, John Miltimore, uh, is telling the story of a scientist who helped Fauci discredit the lab leak theory is now speaking out. So this is somebody who worked with Fauci to silence all of us on the lab leak theory. Well, he may now be turning out. We'll hear from John Miltimore about this story when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. Welcome to the Wake Up America show. It's time to rise in freedom. Glad to have you here. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here on the program every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. Set it in your calendars. Come back and join us. Uh, sign of Jonah is saying, who's that young man? Yeah, that was me like six, seven years ago running for president of the United States. I used to be young and handsome. Now I'm old and crotchety. Um, my next guest has already put me in a bad mood. He's talking to me about the, some kind of Packers winning over my Kansas City Chiefs. How dare you, sir? My next guest, John Miltimore, has some more serious topics to discuss, though. We missed him on Monday. We're going to call it Tuesdays with Miltimore, I guess. Joining us now, John Miltimore, editor-at-large of the Foundation for Economic Education. What's up, John? How you doing? Ah, doing great today. Happy to be back with you. AP, I was driving back from uh, Green Bay yesterday morning. It was a long day. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Sorry we missed you yesterday, but uh, we're thankful to have your thoughts. This is kind of a big story, John. I was I, You're the first person I've seen covering it. A scientist who helped Fauci discredit the lab leak theory is now speaking out. What's the news? Yeah, you know, it, it's funny. This came from a, a story out of Australia. There's an Australian journalist. You know, Australian media is a little bit more interested in this stuff than, than U.S. media, apparently. 
Um, but she was able to land an interview with Dr. Robert Cadlick, who was the uh, Assistant Secretary for Preparedness during the COVID pandemic for Health and Human Services. You know, really one of the top you know response officials in the U.S. government. Um, and you know, he is talking very candidly with, with Sky News about this, um, and said that there was a, a sort of a broad effort to go along with with Fauci's uh, attempt to suppress the lab leak theory. And he says it's a decision that keeps him up at night. He, he said that. He said that he wakes up at 3 a.m. and he thinks about this. And he said we were wrong. And, and, and he feel, it feels very heavy that he has to try to, to, to talk about this and, and make amends. Um, here, here's the truth. Sky News, you know, is starting to use the, the, the C word, conspiracy. And it's, it's, it's a, a word that we reflexively resist, I think, in, in the United States. It, for good reasons and bad reasons. Um, but I, I look at this and, and there is something to this that there was a conspiracy. If it's the definition of the word, um, there was a broad effort to conceal the truth that this likely came from Wuhan. And we know from the beginning that the scientists that were assigned to study this virus from by Fauci, so to look at this genetic mutation, they, they looked at it and they believed it likely came from Wuhan. Now, the paper they published didn't say that. And, and you know, Fauci and, and others in the government spent 18 months saying, if, if, you, if you say anything about that, we, we, we're going to censor you, we're going to ban you, um, maybe you'll lose your job, we're going to shame you. Um, you know, it, it kind of all changed when Jon Stewart went on Stephen Colbert's show and said, hmm, maybe this virus came from the, the, the name of the lab of the virus, you know, and, and everybody kind of laughed and Colbert looked at him like stunned, like, are you really, do you believe this? And, and Stewart said, come on, like, it, it's obvious. And by then, Facebook had just lifted the ban on, on you know, people talking about this. But there's a lot of dots here, man. And I, and I could go on, like, like the CIA. Go on, go you know, on. Yeah, the, the, you know, the, Fauci took a visit to the CIA. We know, we, he's beat, there's a House panel now looking into this. We don't know the date of that visit, but he entered the CIA without a record of entry. That's a no-no. Shouldn't be happening. But he did. Um, he allegedly tried to, you know, influence the determination that the CIA was reaching on the origins of COVID. That's been alleged by a CIA whistleblower. The whistleblower says six agents allegedly uh, were tried to be bribed by by the the, the lead agent who was, who was tasked with kind of leading up what they were going to do to, to make this determination. And, and so I'll go back to that word conspiracy. All of this is pretty big news, and it's really not being talked about, right? These are serious allegations when you have a CIA whistleblower saying, we, they tried to bribe us. They tried to give us finan financial incentives to change our determination from, yeah, this likely came from Wuhan to, oh, we're not sure. Um, and it goes on and on. And now what you have is the dam is breaking. People like, like Robert Cadillac are speaking out. They're giving details. Um, a few reporters are talking about this and covering this. This should be a much bigger story. Fauci will be testifying on the origins of COVID, though, sometime. I don't know if it's at the end of this month, I believe. Um, it, you know, like they need to grill him. There, there, there are so many good questions you could ask this man who throughout this pandemic has really tried to obfuscate and has flat out lied and contradicted. Um, the truth is, we don't want to know the origins of COVID. We keep hearing like, oh, we may, we may never know. We may never know where this virus came from. There, there's, there's a massive effort. There, there's a lot of powerful people. They do not want to know where this virus came from. None dares call it conspiracy. 
Um, I'm speaking to John Miltimore, editor-at-large of the Foundation for Economic Education, about what I, looks to be a groundbreaking piece that he wrote in the Washington Examiner about a scientist who worked closely with Dr. Fauci, who conspired to conceal the origin of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, John, we are a um, we are an opinion show, not necessarily a news show, so we are allowed to speculate here. So I'd like, if you don't mind, what, what is your theory on why they would do something like this? Why would they want to lie or conceal something like this from the American public? What could they possibly stand to benefit from protecting China? Yeah, I, I don't even need to, you know, offer my own, you know, commentary here. I can, I can just say what Cadillac said, and I think it's, it's the most obvious. You know, he, this is what he told in his interview with Sky News, who is doing a whole documentary on this. I want to add, like they're they're doing some great original journalism. Um, I just happened to see their story out of Australia and didn't realize. I'm like, why isn't why is this not being covered here in 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 the U.S. Um, Catholic says it's very obvious. He said, you know, you know, Fauci wanted to protect his own reputation and, and that of, of NIH, um, who was funding gain of function research at Wuhan. Okay, this is something we, we heard from the beginning of the pandemic. Rand Paul was out there, you know, saying, you know, you were funding gain of function. And Fauci's like, no, we were not, Dr. Paul. That's, a, you know, he's getting all defensive. Well, everyone agrees now that, yes, grants from NIH were being used to fund, fund risky coronavirus research on bats. Um, with NIH now concedes this, right? They pulled all funding from this. Now, that's something that started, they paused it in 2020. They pulled it now. And they the, the Chinese government hasn't been forthcoming. So we were funding this research. Um, even Fauci says, well, you know, some of that, we didn't know what they were doing. And if you go to the, the grants, the, the people that were getting the grants, EcoHealth, they said, no, we notified them that one of our, some of our research had an unexpected result. They say it was unexpected, okay? Um, however you look at it, we were funding some very dangerous research here, very high, highly controversial research. Then what do you do when you find out there's been uh, potentially a virus leak from the lab where that research is being done? What do you do? You say, well, this is a natural virus. We 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 know that, right? This this is, it would be genet genetically impossible to use Fauci's words that this virus actually came from that lab. Um, and they spent months and months and months slandering anyone who spoke up about this. Tom Cotton back in February two thousand twenty just speculated. All he did is speculate. Like, look, it, 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 this virus could have came from China. Um, we you know we have the we have the lab there. Um, the Chinese government isn't being forthcoming. And what happened to him? He was hammered. The, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Slate, all these police, uh, you know, media outlets called him a kook. They, they said he was he was nuts for for trying to say that this could come from there. That he was he was called a racist. Everything else. Um, Cotton, to his credit, the Washington Post actually went and corrected their piece. New York Times. I, I looked the other day. They they still hadn't last I looked after smearing this guy who who had you know either the brains or the courage, whatever you want to call it, to say, hey, we have this lab over here that's doing a lot of risky virus research. Uh, and if you look, th this virus came right right out of there. We, we needed to start asking questions. And what happened? He was silenced. And, 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 you know, if not silenced, smeared as a conspiracy theorist. And this has been going on for a long time. Like I said, we need answers. A lot of people don't want us to get those answers. No kidding. Um, Quest Fanning over on the live stream drops a super rant and says probably the most powerful propaganda tool of the corporate media is simply to silence or not repeat stories that go against their narrative 
they'll likely do that with this story. We appreciate that, Quest Fanning, for your Rumble rant this morning for supporting the show. I'm speaking to John Miltimore. He's the editor-at-large of the Foundation for Economic Education about his newest piece in the Washington Examiner about a scientist who helped Fauci discredit the lab leak theory who is now speaking out. Brandon Meyer over in the Rumble chat as well says, interesting when Australia was even more tyrannical than the U.S. during the pandemic, but their media seems more free to discuss these issues than the United States. That is fascinating, John, that we that the American media in a in a ostensibly free nation is not doing the kind of reporting that a country like Australia, which had their guns taken away, is doing. Uh, there really is a problem of the free press here in the United States, despite the fact that we have news shows like these and and the alternative media is larger than the mainstream media. There still is a grip or a stranglehold on culture that the quote, you know, corporate media, which I, is what I would prefer to call it, that the corporate media has on the narrative, does it not? It does. And I, I like to refer refer to them mostly as legacy media because there's some corporate media that, that does good stuff. It's really those legacy institutions that we think of. And his point is great, but I will say it wasn't the Australian government that was funding the research, you know, at, at Wuhan. It was the U.S. government. And and so what you have, and I, I used to be a, a newspaper reporter. It was a smaller, you know, paper in, in, in Florida. It wasn't the Washington Post, New York Times, or Wall Street Journal. But but you realize you have relationships that build up over time. And, and reporters get cozy with a lot of powerful people in government who help them get stories, um, who help them professionally. And and I think that's what you're seeing here. U, US, US media is beholden to, to Fauci and NIH. And, and now they're also like kind of, to use a poker term, like pop committed. They've been saying so long, your conspiracy theorists to believe all this. Um, they've been running with a, another narrative for so long. They don't want to be proven wrong. They, they, and, you know, so they don't want to cover stuff that runs counter to all the stuff they've been writing for the last few years. Um, Australia media, again, you don't have the Australian government, to my knowledge, that's fun, funding this research. Um, I, I don't know. They, maybe they weren't quite as outspoken during the pandemic for the same reasons. They weren't allowed to be. Um, you know, U.S. media, you know, was there's still a lot of that discussion happening. But I am happy you need, you know, it is one of the great things, whether it's the BBC or you know Sky News, who did this story out of Australia? Um, you, you have other countries that have media that 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 still can report on these things. It shows, you know, free speech is so important, and and, and we're seeing. I, I've never in my lifetime quite saw the ret retreat of free speech that we did in 2020, 2021. I do fear we're, we're taking that step backwards, right towards there again, as this conflict in in Israel is, is going on. You see people that are being just just silenced in ways that are very pandemic like, right? Like we're seeing people fired from movies for things they tweet. We're seeing all of this, and um, you know, I, I think we got to just re recognize, especially with something during like a war or pandemic, we don't know a lot yet. We're trying to figure things out. Free speech helps us get there. So, so don't silence people, even if you disagree with what they're saying. Agreed. And uh, when it comes to free speech, we have to say a big thank you to Rumble.com for putting us up there on the front page. Here, here. Front and center. Thank you to Rumble.com. Almost 500 people watching us live this morning. And I'd like to invite you, if it's your very first time watching the Wake Up America show, to click that subscribe button so that you can come back and join us. We stream this show live five days a week, Monday through Friday, from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm the host of the show, Austin Peterson. We always have terrific guests like the gentleman I'm speaking to right now, John Miltimore. He's the editor-at-large at the Foundation for Economic Education, and he's joining us live now to discuss his great piece 
over at the Washington Examiner about a scientist who worked with Anthony Fauci to discredit the lab leak theory, says he's losing sleep now and is speaking out. We've also got more great guests to come. Camelia Peterson to join us at, at 8 a.m. Central and Dave Rubin at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. So lots more great content to go. You're definitely going to want to stick around. So this whole question of why they're covering up, why they were covering this up, we believe, John, I think you and I agree, that this was all to cover Anthony Fauci's butt, that essentially he knew that the United States had funded this Wuhan Institute of Virology and that the potential blowback for us finding out the reality that they we funded this and that he sent money through the, what was it, NIAD or something, some, some middleman group to go to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that this could show that, that people would blame him potentially for this pandemic. And that's why everybody was censored. And all of this, all of this crackdown on our free speech was to protect one man. NIAID grants were funding the research at Wuhan. We know that um, the, the funding has been pulled now, and th there's been a lot of, you know, apologies in, in, in confrontation between our government and the U.S. and the Chinese government over this. Um, we pulled funding because China is simply not answering questions. But if you, if you listen to what Cadillac said, he, he said exactly what you're saying, AP. He said the reason we did this was to placate China. Right. Like like you, here you have this virus. You're in the middle of this pandemic. Um, they wanted good relations with China. That's what Cadillac said. Now, I think it is far more about Fa Fauci knew before anyone of the funding. He knew the funding map, the history. And he knew if this virus emerged from Wuhan, where our grants for funding back coronavirus research, uh, highly con you know controversial, controversial re research that was going to damage his reputation. That was going to damage the, the, the reputation of NIH and, and the billions of dollars that they dole out every year uh, to, to fund research like this. Um, so, so, yeah, th th this was this was butt covering on, on, a, on a massive scale, really on a scale I don't think I've seen in my lifetime. Um, we still need to answer more questions. Right. I, I'm not going to sit here and claim we have all the answers. The problem is we're not we're not asking questions. We're not in. You know, we're, we're going to get Fauci on the stand again. He will be under oath. He needs to be questioned seriously. The problem was there. There was uh, Matt, Matt Taibbi had a, a State Department official on recently. This is this is a few months ago. I, whose name I forget. But the, but the State Department official said he said I've been told do not go there. Like we do not want answers. And they don't. They they do not want to, to get the answers. This is going to be the credibility of the U.S. government at stake. Um, this is this seven million people are dead. Think about that. Seven million people are dead. Um, and we're, we're going to find out even if, even if the grant didn't, you know, um, that specific virus didn't come from, you know, who, who knows if it, it did or not, but let's say it didn't, we were, we were funding coronavirus research at Wuhan and you had, you know, the scenario where this, this got out, killed 7 million people. Then the government tried to silence everyone. It'll be the biggest scandal of the century. So, so they don't want. The, the, this narrative that that uh, COVID emerged from Wuhan, they, and, and we saw for a while they do anything to cover it up. You know, speculating about this on Facebook would get you banned; it would get you suspended. Um, they pulled that in in May two thousand twenty one, um, but you still risked your reputation to speculate. And you, this is why you didn't have a lot of journalists writing about it either. You were going to look be looked at as a kook, right? You're going to be looked at as a nutcase. 
uh, for speculating about something that the CIA now agrees, the FBI agrees. It's likely this came from Wuhan. Uh, it wasn't just Anthony Fauci who was um, it wasn't just Anthony Fauci who, you know, fingers could be pointed at. There were pictures of Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, Melinda Gates and people visiting this Wuhan lab. I mean, there's a lot of names of big, famous names that are caught up in this, aren't there? Yeah, in the, that, that, it's interesting. I didn't know, you know, Obama and Michelle were, were photographed there. Um, but yes, it goes well beyond Fauci. You know, this, you know, Wuhan had been receiving lots of money for a very long time. It was going to look very bad um, for a lot of people. And, and, and so I think there was this incentive to make it like, okay, let, we, we can all sleep easy at night if we just know this came from a natural origin. Right? This just came from a wet market. It wasn't, it wasn't our funding that had anything to do with this. It wasn't our risky uh, experimentation on coronaviruses and bats and, and, and so forth. Um, the truth is, you go back to, we, we know the, st the State Department was getting warnings about the safety of this lab back in 2018, 2019. I think I think the reporter at Josh Rogan at the Washington Post broke a, a good story on that back in it's been a couple of years, you know, probably two, three years now. Um, but we we had warnings. They said this facility is not safe. It shouldn't be being used. Yet the money kept rolling in. Don Miltimore, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go? No, not much here. Yeah, check out all our content on fee.org. Uh, but yeah, it, 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 great to be with you for this one. Hopefully we get more answers here in the coming weeks on this. Um, I think there is this this attempt. People just kind of want to move on from the origins of COVID. We really we need answers. And, and let's hope that, uh, that this story keeps rolling. There you go. That's John Miltimore. He's the editor at large at the Foundation for Economic Education. Usually he joins us on Mondays, Mondays with Miltimore. You can find his uh, what's it called? The, um, what's the your take blog? on Substack. I, yeah, I publish there about every day. Yeah, and we drop that over at the Rumble chat. Our uh, mods will drop that uh, again really quick. John, thanks so much for your time today. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you again next week. Hey, have a great week, AP. Talk to you later. There you go. Thank you so much, John Miltimore. Isn't he great? Oh, that's a good story. What do you think? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. We've still got lots more great show to go at 8 o'clock, about 10 minutes from now. We're going to hear from Camelia Peterson with her thoughts on how Donald Trump got cut off by Fox News yesterday while he was in the middle of a, a live hit, which is pretty fascinating. But I think it had a lot to do with the topic of, well, they don't want him talking about election fraud on the network that got sued for basically a billion dollars and had to settle for, I mean, how many millions and millions of dollars? But it's just it's it's just going to be a wild gun show today. I'm, look for, I'm looking forward to talking to Dave Rubin as well this morning at 8.30 a.m. You can join us at uh, 8.30 uh, a.m. Central Time to hear from Dave Rubin, who's going to talk to us a little bit uh, about the DeSantis campaign, which we're excited to hear from him on that one when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Better and it works. And then, no. Well, the former president finally got around to some campaign promises amid lots of cheering, as you heard. Many untruths. The 2020 election was not rigged. It was not stolen. But still, Trump is way ahead in the polls. And now to... Oh, uh, what? It was not rigged. It was not stolen. What's up? Good morning. 
Welcome back to Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. Um, that was odd. Fox News broadcasting the Donald Trump rally, cuts away from the Donald Trump rally, and then says that the election wasn't rigged and wasn't stolen. <laughs> um, I think that they're feeling a little bit touchy, a little sensitive over there about that one. Good morning. If you're just tuning in to the Wake Up America show, a thousand people joining us live. Yo, what's up, people? You look beautiful today. What are you wearing? It's nice to have you here. Click that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Why would I ask? Why? What are you wearing? What an odd thing to say. It's a weird show. It's the Wake Up America show, and I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We stream live every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. It's a great way to start your day, make some friends. So don't forget to click that like button on Rumble and subscribe to the channel so you don't forget who I am. AP for Liberty here on Rumble. We'd love to have you come back and join us five days a week. Find out about what's happening in the world, have a little bit of fun, make some new friends, and of course, get awesome guests like my next guest. She joins us every Tuesday and Thursday on the show for her regular 8 a.m. Central appearance. That's Camelia Peterson. What's up, CJ? How you doing? Nice background. Ooh, looks cold. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy as long as it's cold here, not actually outside because I hate winter. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, though. Uh, but I would like to say I thought this was a family show. However, I do highly encourage everyone to text the show line and tell Austin what you're wearing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what, where that came from. Sometimes just the strangeness slips out and the show's live, so you can't take it back. Uh, Camelia, you saw that clip of Donald Trump they're getting cut away from at his rally, which they would have never done in 2016 or 2020, and then correcting him on the stolen election claims. I'm kind of ballsy. I mean, Fox is kind of between a rock and a hard place in this situation, isn't it? For sure. I mean, well, a, a huge lawsuit will do that to you. <laughs> I, and evident, I mean, I don't know, you know, when people settle lawsuits, it's always debatable as to whether or not, you know, they have to weigh the risks. You know, it's all risk assessment. So is it is it more worth it to let it drag out and really go through the the process of a trial or or just pay the money and make it go away. Well, this was, you know, almost a billion dollar payment to make it go away. So just right, just under 1,800 million. But yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things that they say they that came out in discovery was that at the same time that Fox News guests and show hosts were on there, you know, claiming that the election was stolen, stolen in the background, you know, executives and the show hosts themselves were texting and emailing each other, each other saying that it was, you know, it was malarkey <laughs> and they were. <laughs> so, I, yeah, they're a little little gun shy right now because and they're still dealing with another um, they're still dealing with another lawsuit with uh, another voting um, machine company, Smartmatic. So, you know. Will it be the greatest irony of all, Camelia, if Donald Trump wins reelection next year? And the Democrats spend four years claiming that the election was rigged or stolen. Like, I can't you just see it? Is I mean, Hillary Clinton claimed the election was stolen. It's like it's it's just what we do anymore. And you know, it's <laughs> unfortunate because it really goes to um, the voters' distrust in the system anymore. And I think that's the most dangerous thing is that if nobody trusts your your electoral system, then. That's a recipe for disaster. 
Yeah, but in this uh, scenario, you know, Donald Trump is he's going to ride this all the way into the election next year. If the election were held today, I think that he would win. Uh, but, you know, there's still the Republican primary that's going on right now. I'm going to speak to to Dave Rubin, who endorsed Ron DeSantis early in the campaign at 830. Do you think that and, and I used to work at Fox, so I have my own uh, thoughts on this that I'll share after I get your take on this. But do you think Fox doesn't want Donald Trump to be reelected just because they're terrified of things like this? I mean, I think that's certainly possible there. You know, they this has put them in a weird place to have to. I mean, they were the Trump network, right? You know, for a long time. And so now they've had to oppose him. And, it, and you know, with uh, Tucker Carlson, with them getting rid of Tucker Carlson, like, they really turned a lot of their base against them. People really thought that they would go under. And, um, you know, Trump goes after them now. So everything is upside down. And I do think that, you know, they probably would fear that if, if he gets into office again, that he will go mercilessly after them, just like he does all the other media outlets. For sure. Um, it's nice to see 1,116 people watching us live this morning. Yo, what's up? Good morning, everyone. Good morning, humongous <laughs> audience. Nice to see you here. Um, and thanks to Camelia. Everybody's texting in at 573-319-1586 what they're wearing today. One I listener, one listener is wearing underwear, socks, sweats pants, a shirt, a tricorn hat, and sandals. <laughs> that's like that's that's amazing. <laughs> the tricorn hat is what really makes it, I'm sure. <laughs> For sure. And another listener texted in and said, Good morning, Austin. I'm currently wearing my I'm just here to bang t-shirt from uh the AP for Liberty shop store. So it's a it's a firework. It shows the fourth of July firework on it. It says I'm just here to bang, anyways. I think no wake funny. and bake t-shirts. <laughs> no wake and bake t-shirts. We probably don't think we have any of those over at AP for Liberty Shop. But uh, anyways, I digress. I'm speaking to Camelia Peterson right now. She's our regular Tuesday and Thursday guest here on the program. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. And if you like Camelia, then make sure you've set a calendar appointment for every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 a.m. Central Time because she joins us here twice a week on the program. We're talking about Donald Trump and his election claims. Uh, a lot of people agree with Donald Trump. Even people who are in our comments right now are telling us this morning they do believe that the election was stolen. If that's true, what's being done to stop it from happening again next time, Camelia? I mean, I guess our friend Cliff Maloney is, has got a campaign out in Pennsylvania to try and round up votes and play the, the game that the Democrats are, but... Do you think that the Republicans are ready to beat Democrats at their game next year? No, I don't think they are. Um, and, and the problem is, is that is there some fraud always? Yes. Um, the thing is, is like it's it, it goes both ways, to be honest. Um, but there are is there fraud on the massive scale that was claimed? Probably not. I mean, of all of the lawsuits filed and to, you know, in, in courts that are Trump appointed judges, like, are you telling me that every single one of those judges turned on Trump and refused to hear those cases um, simply because they didn't like him anymore or something like that doesn't make any sense. So I just think that um, people who are proponents of election, you know, of that that massive scale election fraud that, you know, stole the election was stolen. I don't think that they have made their case. And I will tell you, it's, you know, 
That is not a popular opinion amongst our audience, but I know it is not. And the thing is, is like, I understand the frustration because it's hard to know what to believe anymore. And there's the problem with the digital age and social media and the internet is that there's, you know, we can all communicate so much more. There's so much more access to information. But the problem is, is like, there's so much more information and people can put out what they want. And I know we all want to believe our own side and people who tell us what we want to hear. But I'm telling you, there's some people on the right out there who are putting content out that is just glaringly inaccurate. And you can, you know, take the get your facts straight and then twist them as you please. Right. Uh, you know, the data data does uh, is does not always it's not always the truth. You know, you can take data and twist it um, just the other night uh, because, you know, I'm in Trump country. And just the other night, I had an elderly couple who I was sitting with and, you know, she started telling me that she has all of this evidence for how the algorithms, you know, with the Dominion voting machines and all this stuff. And I can't argue with that because I have not spent hundreds of hours digging into all of this stuff. Um, And I had, you know, and, and the gentleman pulled out his phone and showed me a little a screenshot of something where it shows how in one precinct somewhere there was one vote for Trump. And if you look like that, they split it, split it three ways. Like, how do you split a vote? I don't know. There's all kinds of things like that. But it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You can tie enough strings and make anything look like truth. And so but, you know, that aside, you know, the problem is, is that some of these states where these issues happened, they made laws having to do with COVID that kind of just set the stage where it was ripe for these kind of problems. And if those laws have not been changed, like, I don't know what to tell you. I think that there are things. So I think that the the challenge for the Republican Party are to look at ways that they can mitigate um, those issues. And I think that some people like Cliff, that they're doing that. Um, Scott Pressler is going around and he's, you know, get out the vote stuff. But he's also telling people that you need to use all of these same methods that your opposition is using in order to get votes. And people don't like to hear that. And I get that. Like, we're supposed to be the principled party and we don't do that stuff. <laughs> but uh, Brandon, the thing is, is- our, our, our friend, the crab fisherman, Brandon Meyer, is over in the chat. He said he, he asked the question, could Fox be held liable for Trump speaking on a stolen election and airing it? And Horatius 148, his response is dead on. He says Fox can be held liable for anything, pretty much, because the New York juries will be lig- will be rigged with libtards. It's lawfare to shut anyone up on there about anything controversial, in my opinion. I completely agree with Horatius as well. Uh, Camelia, I'd like to move on to another topic here that's tangentially related to this. My piece at humanevents.com this week is um, going to be taking a look at who Donald Trump's vice presidential picks could possibly be. Um, Am I getting the card before the horse? Uh, and who his VP picks could be? <laughs> no, I mean, in that uh, there's still a primary going on. Oh, well, well, okay. <laughs> Maybe it's debatable, right? Uh, time will tell. Um, yes, well, uh, it, how, how, how much do you feel like betting? <laughs> how risk averse are you? <laughs> do you think, well, do you think that Ben Carson would be a potentially good vice presidential pick for him? I mean, part of me thinks that it might just be kind of like, you know, the tradition of diversity hire or tokenism to some extent, which is not to say that Ben Carson is not absolutely brilliant. He, he, he is a genius neuroscientist, 
you know, I think he did, uh, he like separated conjoined twins in the womb at one point. Like he's done amazing stuff. He's not the best public speaker. When he speaks, he sounds very awkward and stilted, right? But um, people are talking about Benjamin Carson. Obviously, I'd love to see Vivek. I think the chances of that are pretty slim. I don't think it could be Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Those people have kind of burned bridges with Donald Trump. But the problem is Donald Trump burned bridges with everybody. <laughs> well, this is true. And the thing is, I actually do think that Ben Carson would be a, a plausible pick. Right. Because he does kind of check off a lot of the boxes, but most the most important box that he checks off that none of those other people you mentioned do is that he will not overshadow Donald Trump. Every single one of those other people has the potential to upstage Trump. And that is like, in my mind anyway, my opinion, and I think probably in Trump's mind, that's probably the number one criteria. And so, but also Ben Carson is well-liked among conservatives. Um, it, he just, and he's a good man. He's done lots of good things. Um, but yeah, he's, and I think that he, because he's not a, a polished speaker and he tends to be more laid back, uh, I think those are all things that would fit well um, with Trump in that contrast. Same reason Pence was, Tim's you know, speaking. Well, yeah, we know that it's not going to be Mike Pence, that's for sure. No. Um, but another name that another name that people have thrown around is Tim Scott. That's another possibility, don't you think? Maybe. Um, I don't you really don't sound see too it. sure. Yeah, no? I don't know. I I don't really see it. Um, they're just I don't know how to put my finger on it, but there is something I think in the the chemistry or personality style of, of Tim Scott and Donald Trump that. I just don't see them campaigning together. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Like that's something that I just I don't know how to articulate that well, but I don't I don't see it happening. For sure. I'm I'm it'll be interesting to see who he does eventually pick if he wins the primary, of course, because there is a primary and Dave Rubin will be joining us here on the show here in about 20 minutes to talk about that. Uh if you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, I'm your host Austin Peterson. I'm speaking to Camelia Peterson. We are not related, but we're good friends and she joins us on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We'd love to earn your like and your subscribe to the channel since we've got over a thousand people watching us now. I know at least 900 of you uh, have no idea who we are, and I'd love to have you come back and join us and be friends and stick around for a little while. Camelia Peterson and I are talking about Donald Trump and how Fox News cut away from his stolen election uh, claims to correct the record. But I think probably what uh, Horatius was saying earlier about the lawfare that's committed against conservative groups and outlets that's probably as good a response as any. It's kind of like when the gun manufacturers got sued for, right. you know, they're, you know, they, as long as you're in a liberal state, you can sue anybody for anything. And if you're a conservative, you're probably going to lose. Um, but, you know, we have talked about the, pro, the crisis that we might be engaged in if Donald Trump does get convicted of a criminal conviction for which he is sentenced to serve jail time. You and I were just talking about that this weekend with our buddy Neil and what the outcome of that might be. Uh, what do you think is going to happen if that's if that's the case? I think if there is actually a conviction and they say you're going to jail, that we will be in a very bad place. That people who think that they want that outcome, um, I don't really think that they 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 should be careful what they wish for. Um, this is, I think, it would be volatile, um, and it and it might be the right this time doing them. A, Mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> um, because, I mean, I have talked to plenty of people on the right who 
make not so veiled threats that if something were to happen that, you know, they would be ready to take um, violent action. And, you know, people say a lot of things. I'm not completely convinced that a lot of those people, uh, especially following January 6th, I'm not convinced that they wouldn't do those things. So, you know, whether or not um, it's justified, whether or not he deserves it, uh, I think we should all hope that that is not the case just for um, just for our country's sake. No, for sure, Camelia. And I, when I think about the the possibility of Donald Trump being convicted, I, I think I even mentioned to you, like you mentioned there, that if you think January 6th was bad, you know, trying to throw Donald Trump in prison w after he gets elected would be a, a big mistake. And I, and I just want to remind our listeners that Judge Andrew Napolitano, who came on my show to discuss this about a month and a half ago, he believes that if this were to happen, that the Supreme Court would likely step in and issue a stay of his sentence until such a time as when he is no longer president of the United States, and that the supremacy clause might be invoked in order to ensure the continuity of government. There are contingency plans for the continuity of government in emergency cases, and it is likely that the Supreme Court would step in in this scenario and say, you can't put the president of the United States who has been duly elected in a jail cell, at least until such a time he is no longer president of the United States. So we could see Donald Trump serving his term and then having to promptly report to jail after he leaves. And, and for what, though? I mean, the funny thing is about these allegations, and most people don't really know what he is being uh, indicted for and what the, the criminal allegations. But I mean, the one in New York, for example, he's being indicted for saying that he had a three bath. He had three bathrooms at Trump Towers when he really had two and a half. I mean, it's the most ridiculous charges I've you've ever heard of. And even the ones in Georgia, for example, it would it would appear to be free speech, even if he's wrong. And even if I disagree vehemently with him saying, you know, go get me 30,000 votes or whatever the number was, right. to some extent, nobody did it. Nobody listened to him. It didn't right. happen. It's just his own speech. I mean, the charges are frankly ridiculous. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think so. For the most part, I don't know all of them, but I will say, you know, when he used his position to put the pressure that he did on um, other elected officials uh, to get me those votes or whatever it was, uh, and the way he talked to, you know, the governors of some of the states, you know, I don't know. Um, could you, I mean, could you say it's coercive? Maybe, although I don't know that he really would have the power to do anything to those people. So, you know, in my opinion, it probably does fall under free speech. Um, I, I would say this, you know, I would challenge the people who are diehard Trump supporters that say, the economy and everything else was doing so well, and he's the only one that can get us back to that. Do you really think that he is the only one that could have had those outcomes during that term? Or is it possible that we would have experienced those things with any Republican in the presidency at that point? Because I'm not so convinced that Trump was, was the only one. He's not the only one that holds those policy positions. And I, I mean, you know, just because he's brash doesn't mean that he was getting his way all the time because we hear all the time about how he fights, but just because he says a lot of words and really loudly and kind of, you know, talks it to him, 
that doesn't necessarily translate to policy outcome per se. So I'm not sure that I'm you can a, make I'm, the case. Well, possibly. I I, I would say that that there's a, that there's a chance you're right. However, I will say that his his brashness and his sort of bullying demeanor probably was needed. I think there is a good argument that nobody else could have done what Donald Trump did because for example, like there's a people's can sense weakness from, sure. from other people, right? And when Donald yes. when Do, there's a there's a famous photograph of Donald Trump where he's sitting down with his arms crossed and Shinzo Abe, uh, rest in peace of Japan, the prime minister is standing behind him with all of the world leaders leaning over him, trying to bully him. And it is to me, and uh, I mean, an iconic photo, but a metaphor for how Donald Trump represented the United States in a way that I think the United States needed to be representative, re represented, just to say to the entire world, we don't care what you think or say we're going to do what's in our own best interest, no matter the pressure from the international community. You can you can feel the tension from that photograph of Angela Merkel leaning over him, trying to bully him into doing whatever it is that they're doing. And you've got the United States and Japan just sitting back saying, try me. I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do. Uh, I'm going to make demands upon you and I'm going to give very little in return. I don't see that kind of energy from many of the other Republican presidential candidates, save perhaps DeSantis could sure. probably do it, but we haven't seen that kind of energy on the campaign trail. We have seen it in his governorship of Florida to an extent, but nowhere near on the scale of the uh, recalcitrant Donald Trump. Is that a five dollar? Is that a five? Can I get a five? <laughs> yeah, that's worth that's worth five dollars. <laughs> yeah, recalcitrant <laughs> so, Donald well, Trump. So here's the thing. So we saw, I think we saw that in DeSantis um, um, in the debate against Newsom, but that's the difference, right? It's a lot easier to hit out at your opposition that is like not your opposition on your side, it's your polar opposite. So I think that, you know, it's, it's more likely that DeSantis could also do that as, as president as well, how, as he did as governor. Um, however, my question for you is, do you think that Reagan um, portrayed as much strength or, you know, authority as Trump did? To some extent, um, but I think R Reagan was obviously not as brash or as crude, but he accomplished many of the same things to an extent. However, different leaders in different times. I, I, I think yes. that if anything, Donald Trump really does reflect a portion of American culture today, right? With, so that's, is, yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and, and if anything, you know, when you're talking about elected representatives, it, I mean, that is a part of America that that like cold blue collar, you know, like filthy mouth, you know, kick ass and take names attitude. That is absolutely a portion of the United States. And, and I think that, uh, you know, Donald Trump re represents that fairly well. Uh, Andy Opperman over in the live stream dropped a rumble rant. Thanks, Andy. He says that the executive order requiring that two regulations be dropped for every new regulation put in place was something I do not think anyone other than Trump would or could have pulled off. I tend to agree, maybe Rand Paul, but even still, um, you know, how somebody runs a campaign, Camellia, is how I think they'll govern. Um, there's, there, there's a statement on, um, on or it's, it's part of uh, the uh, laws of the public policy process that were written by Morton Blackwell of the American Conservative Union and it hit one of the the laws of the public policy process is that is that governing is just campaigning by a different means. Mm. So I think it's important to consider that 
if someone does not run a strong campaign, and people could point that finger at me as well, perfectly, uh, uh, you know, accurate to, to, you know, to say Austin didn't run strong campaigns. Well, that's fine. Perhaps I would, you know, would not have been a good president of the United States or a good senator, perhaps. Uh, however, I think that there is validity to the argument that if you cannot run a strong campaign and if you cannot build a coalition of people willing to support you, then you do not deserve to be a, a representative of the people. And you've shown that in your campaign that you are not capable of performing the functions that are necessary in a Democratic primary or a Republican primary to be able to accomplish things when you're in office. If you can't accomplish a campaign, how can you accomplish governance? Your thoughts on that? I would agree because it is about so much of being in office is about choosing who you surround yourself with and being able to make those coalitions and find um, people who can do jobs well. Now, <laughs> I think it's debatable that Trump did that well while he was in office. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I do think that campaigns definitely can be a huge indicator of that ability. I think it's important. Your point about Trump's style being reflective of our culture, I think, is an important one. Um, ready for a curveball, Camelia? Everybody's been talking about two things for the last couple of weeks, and one of them is, okay. and one of them is uh, uh, circumcision. Where do you stand? Oh my gosh, shifts. <laughs> <We're> all... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 for or against? Uh, you know, I would say at this point in time, against. And I think it's because there are just too many questions in my mind about, you know, bodily autonomy and whether or not, you know, you can make that decision for a child. And because I also think that the practice is, I know a lot of people like to say it's for health reasons and whatnot, um, but there's so, it, this is, this is so normal in so many other parts of the world. I'm not sure you can really accurately uh, Camilla, make that a Camilla, rationale. Camilla, here's the reasons, problem, but, but here's the, here's the problem. <laughs> A very lovely lady who came on, who is uh, started to appear on the show, Courtney Nill, she posted on Twitter the other day that she and all of the her lady friends got together and they talked about um, they talked about this issue and they all prefer men who are circumcised. So how would you respond to that? Uh, well, I would say that your preference should not dictate what you do to baby boys. Camelia, <laughs> <laughs> so. anything, uh, anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we let you go today? You know, I'm fascinated to hear your conversation with Dave Rubin, and particularly with regard to surrogacy in so many ways, because that's, you know, there's, I've, there's lots of questions in my mind about that. I think that, you know, people should want um, babies to have good parents, no matter what that looks like. But there are some serious questions as far as um, I. So a couple of things when you to think about when you're having is your conversation with him is one of the things that came to mind when I think about surrogacy is is there any biological chemical? Um, is there any issue with that side of things when you're talking about having a baby in a woman's womb who has no DNA connection? You know what I'm sure. saying? One of our uh, Just, listeners. Yeah, for for sure I do, Camille, and I, I appreciate your point of view on this. It's a great question to ask, uh, and uh, I'm running up uh, against time here right now. I got to go get Dave Rubin, Camille. Uh, thank you very much for your time today. You can follow Camille on X.com at Rare Camille. Thank you for your time, Camille. We'll see you on Have Thursday. Have a great day, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you very much, Camille. We appreciate you very much.
That's how I would meet with the Republican Party. If Trump want to come to town, come and meet with us. Come back and meet with us, Trump. We are not going to stand by, stand idly by while you starve our community. These are our children and they will not be targeted while you take and make a better life for a new group that just walked into this country yesterday. $9,000 a month for these people. You know how hard it is? The black community of Chicago asking for Republicans or President Trump to come visit them because they are done with the Democratic Party. Thousands of fifteen hundred dollars for every child, every illegal immigrant child that goes to Chicago public schools. You give them money for uniforms and computers and all these things. We're not going to stand down, and we ask that the Republican Party come and sit down and have a meet with us. We're not okay with you taking our resources and giving them to people who don't live here. But now you found money for the migrants. For any independent candidate in the city of Chicago, any Green Party candidate in the city of Chicago, and any Republican candidate in the city of Chicago, now is your time because we are done with the Democratic Party. Whoa, they are done with the Democratic Party. What do you think about that? You love to see it. These are black Chicago residents saying that uh, they are done with the Democratic Party. Boy, that is some good stuff. Hey, I forgot to let you guys know that uh, exciting new announcement over at the merch shop at apforlibertyshop.com, a brand new product line available now, custom metal signs, which I'm really excited about, over at apforlibertyshop.com. Custom metal signs you can have designed right on our website. Design it yourself, see how it works over at apforlibertyshop.com. Some of them are custom, some of them are not. For example, you can see the 1776 steel sign, for example, and it comes in multiple sizes, and they ship it really fast, like two two to five days for shipping. Um, Bald eagle head steel sign, fallen soldier memorial, our flag cross. Now, this one is really cool. Here's the Liberty Bell monogram. Let me try to show you how this works. So you've got the living free sign here. And uh, so the customization of your steel sign can be done right here. It'll load that personalization button, and then you'll be able to go through uh, and put whatever text that you want on your metal sign. And you can see here we've got multiple colors, copper, gold, silver, and white. And you can go all the way from 12 inches all the way up to 30 inches uh, over at the shop. I've put them all on sale this week. So for our debut, all of our, our signs are on a, a special discount price. You can check them out over at apforlibertyshop.com. Uh, USA signs, American Strong. And again, um, many of these can be customized for whatever you like. So for example, the Deer Hunter monogram sign, steel sign, you can go and say you've got a son who maybe this is his first year deer hunting. You can get um, that loading, that loading personalization will pop up for you. Sometimes I have a little... Uh, a little, um, it gets a little hinky for me. Um, but yeah, I think it has to do with my ad blocker. Um, but if you, if you get that same issue, make sure you turn your ad blocker off. Deer Hunter monogram custom steel sign. You can get them at ap4libertyshop.com. Again, in multiple colors. Looks good. It can be hung inside and outside. This one I think is really cool, especially if you've got like a bar inside your house. The Bomber Lady custom steel sign, which is really sweet. So it'd be a you know, bombshell Betty's. You can have it replaced with, you know, whatever, you know, cool logo or slogan, or excuse me, slogan that you want to put on the signs. And we've got dozens of them, four full pages of them. 
This one's really cool. It's not custom, but this house protected by the Second Amendment. Um, and then let's go Brandon, for example, that's another custom one. So you can decide put whatever it is that you'd like to put on there. If you get this little uh, loading personalization button down there, and it doesn't load, just try it on mobile. Sometimes like the mobile uh, works over the desktop. So I apologize, we're still trying to work out all the bugs, but they're brand new and really excited about them. They ship really fast. Uh, custom metal signs uh, in multiple sizes and multiple colors. I really like the dragon there. You can see the custom dragon monogram, custom steel sign, which is really fun and cool that you can get your name or your house name or your last name, whatever it is that you want to put over at ap4libertyshop.com. I'm very proud and excited to introduce our new all-American custom metal signs at AP, the number four, AP for libertyshop.com. I'd love to hear what you guys think about them. All right, it's time for us to go. We're going to go get Dave Rubin when we get back to talk to him about the Ron DeSantis campaign on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. Good morning, rise and freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We're glad to have you here. Thank you to rumble.com for putting us up on the front page today. How many thousands of people tuning in live? We're so grateful to have your support. Free speech is, well, not free. We'll just ask you to click the like button and maybe subscribe to the channel. So it's basically free. All you got to do, click that like button and subscribe to the channel and come back and join us here on the program every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, where we stream live. We fight for economic freedom and personal liberty. So if that's your bag, baby, well, I'm Austin P. I'm ready to rock. Let's go. All right. Well, it's Christmas time and we like to talk to old friends, right? Ghosts of Christmas past, present. And future. Dave Rubin has made quite a career uh, in conservative media circles. He's out there campaigning now for who he believes is the most conservative candidate in the race. I think he's probably right. Ron DeSantis, governor of, of Florida, competing to be the next president of the United States. I got in a little hot water with DeSantis people a couple of weeks ago for a piece that I wrote saying that DeSantis supporters have been kind of annoying online, but not Dave Rubin. Dave Rubin has been perfectly nice and friendly. He's joining us live right now to talk. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing, sir? Let me be clear about something. In the piece itself, did it say DeSantis supporters have been annoying, but not Dave Rubin? Or was, are you adding that now that Dave no. Rubin has not been annoying about this? I'm adding that now, Dave. It is the truth. And welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you. It's good to see you, my friend. And it is funny. You know, we are old friends at this point. I think I had you on my show if I'm not mistaken, the first time back in 2018, which feels many, many lifetimes ago for me. I, I obviously subsequently left Cali and, and moved to the free state of Florida. Uh, a lot has changed in the world. The world is changing even faster and faster. So all that to say, it's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, it's good to see you again, too, Dave. Um, I, I decided to sort of keep out of this primary just because I've been so terrible at political predictions in the past that I said to myself, you know what, I think it's probably better for me to just sit back and wait and see because I was hoping that in this primary process that someone would distinguish themselves as, and you know me, the most libertarian of all of the candidates. And as I've sat back and watched, I've, I've said to myself from the debates that Vivek Ramaswamy has really distinguished himself for that. And when I said that, DeSantis supporters immediately got very prickly about it. Uh, and there was this whole hubbub online. People are really upset at me. And, you know, you endorsed Ron DeSantis early. Maybe you'd like to tell me, you know, why you decided to endorse Ron DeSantis early. And just tell us, what do you think about his campaign so far? 
Sure. Well, first, I just want to mention real quick that the reason that I ended up on the show today, I'm happy to do it whenever I get the call from you, is because I saw that there was some fighting online about the Trump DeSantis thing, and you were kind of in the middle of it. And I reached out to you, and I was like, hey, do you want me to come on and talk about it? Because I do think that in a sane world, there would be very, very little to no friction really between the Trump people and the DeSantis people. So, for example, had Trump just decided not to run, I'm not calling for him not to run. I voted for him last time. If he's the nominee, I'm going to vote for him. But had he decided not to run this time and just said, you know what? DeSantis is the guy. He's younger. Florida's the model. We get it. I supported him, all that stuff. We would have the most unified Republican Party since Ronald Reagan re-election. And I think DeSantis would be blowing it out in the polls. The people, the very people who hate DeSantis now, who because Trump from from my estimation, has lied almost completely egregiously about him related to Soros and Paul Ryan and, and all of the stuff. And now that he's somehow New York was better on COVID, just like the litany of lies Trump has thrown at him. Had Trump not done any of that and just sat back and said, hey, I'll be the kingmaker. This is the guy. DeSantis would be crushing it. And, it, and I'm telling you, this would be the most unified. We wouldn't even believe it. We would not know what to do with ourselves because it would be so unified. All of that aside, I think from a liberty perspective, from a competent governance perspective, from a track record perspective, uh, Ron DeSantis is simply the best politician we have in America. Now, is he the best campaigner? Probably not. Could anyone have done this against Trump the right way? I don't know. I think the way Trump has salted the earth against DeSantis, they just didn't know exactly how to deal with it. That being said, we still have a month till the first, you know, the Iowa caucus, and we will see what happens. DeSantis went to all 99 counties, as you know. He's got the endorsement of Kim Reynolds, who's super popular. So I think that the results there are going to be a bit different than these, these strange polls uh, are bearing out. I don't know if you saw my tweet about the polls, but the polls also are really bizarre. And, and some of the methodology, I think, is quite weird. I'm happy to discuss that if you want. Um, but it's, it's pretty damn unfortunate what's going on here because uh, there should not be this kind of friction at all. There obviously is. And I would just say one other thing, then happy to you know, take any other questions on this. You gotta also let go of a bit of what Twitter is. So when, when I saw you fighting with some people, like I don't fight with people on Twitter like that anymore. I say my piece once in a blue moon, I'll respond to somebody. Uh, and then I talk about the issues as honestly as I can on my show. Twitter is filled with anonymous bots and trolls. China is paying people to be on Twitter to create chaos. That doesn't even begin to talk about what they're doing on TikTok and a whole bunch more. Uh, the anonymity thing has created all sorts of strange incentive structures and, and a Machiavellian attitude, <clears throat> excuse me, for people to just jump online and try to destroy everything. Uh, so regardless, at the end of all of this, whoever the nominee is, I hope everybody will get on board. And, and I think that's what the damn shame is. No one thinks that Ron DeSantis has been in bed with Paul Ryan. Donald Trump is far more in bed with Paul Ryan than Ron DeSantis. Nobody thinks that Ron DeSantis has anything to do with Carl Rove. Dr. Ron DeSantis is the only one who has fired two Soros DAs, et cetera, et cetera. So... We got to figure out a way to get through some of this stuff. That, that's why I wanted to talk to you today. Yeah, no, it's good stuff, uh, Dave. And, and it's hard for me to disagree with pretty much anything that you've said. Um, the question about the polls, I mean, we all know that polls can be skewed and can say whatever one person wants us to believe. I mean, there's pro DeSantis polls and there's 
pro-Trump polls. Uh, you know, I, I hearken back to a conversation that we had briefly at Freedom Fest back when the pandemic had just occurred. And, and you were just passing me in the hallway and you said, Austin, you're one of the only people, it seems, who hasn't absolutely lost their mind and, and gone into Trump derangement syndrome. Um, yeah. But it but it does feel as if I mean, there there was the never Trump movement of 2016. Right. And we're talking about neocons. We're talking about the Bushites, the Romneyites, the people who, you know, Bill Crystal has gone to the Democratic Party. I mean, those are the people who have lost their minds that you're talking oh, about. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and, totally and you. And you said something completely reasonable, right? That if if Trump wins, you know, afterwards, we we all need to come together on the same page. And maybe Twitter isn't real life. And DeSantis people who are saying we'll never vote for Trump, maybe they're bluffing or anything like that. It does feel to me, Dave, tell me if I'm wrong and I'm, I'm willing to change my mind. It does feel to me as if the DeSantis campaign is sort of treading those dangerous waters, the Bill Crystal, you know, sort of no. never Trump territory. Is that wrong? No, I, I don't think so. Look, I can't speak for the campaign and I wouldn't purport to speak for the campaign. But you got to remember, it's it's a campaign. People are fighting like the idea that somehow the DeSantis people have been meaner online than the Trump people have been. First off, I think that is empirically just obviously not true. But like if you, I if I say anything remotely positive about DeSantis, things that everyone knows are true. If I tweet out right now, DeSantis was the greatest governor when it came to freedom during COVID. I will have Trump people saying, you're trying to destroy MAGA, you're a sellout, how much are they paying you? Like, And I've never taken a dime from any campaign, nor would I ever. Um, so the idea that one side is worse than the other, I think there's probably far more, if we were really looking at the numbers and evidence and behavior of people, there's probably way more evidence that the, the Trump people have been worse when it comes to DeSantis. But but either way, I just think, as you just said, Twitter isn't real life, and I wouldn't get too lost in in that. I would say the, the crew of people that you're talking about, the TDS crew and the neocon crew and the Bill Crystal crew, they all seem like they're moving more towards Nikki Haley. I can tell you wherever I go throughout this country in the last year, and even when I was in London a couple of weeks ago, for this Jordan Peterson arc event, and I talked to people from literally dozens of countries about Trump and DeSantis, all anyone wanted to talk about. Most of the people that are supporting DeSantis, they still, it's not that they hate Trump. Most of them voted for Trump. They've just had enough of the drama. They think that he's sort of aged out. They're concerned about his ability to hire people and the, the firing of everybody and that everyone's an idiot and a loser and a sellout if they worked for him and then ever said anything against him. You know, look, Kaylee McEnany, who by any estimation, was the superstar of that administration at the height of COVID, going against that crazy media and doing it with class and dignity. And he turned on her. So again, it's not that I will not vote for him. I certainly don't have Trump derangement syndrome. I, you know, I told the story many times of having uh, been with him at Mar-a-Lago and spent some time and enjoyed being with him. And I think he's a decent human being and he's been treated unbelievably unfair unfairly by the media and now our complete political establishment that is persecuting him and all of that stuff. But there is a better option. And I think we all know it. And that's, I think, what's happening. Many of the Trump people, I get it, you're ride or die with him. This is your guy. You think he was cheated and all of that stuff. But no, I don't think anyone, if they really thought about it, thinks DeSantis is evil. I don't think they think he was bad on COVID. There is no evidence he has anything to do with Paul Ryan. Uh, there's no evidence, as I said, the, the Carl Rove thing, the George Soros thing. 
And I think that's why some of the behavior is so skewed because you've got you've got a guy who's being treated unfairly in Donald Trump, and you've got a guy who clearly is the standard bearer for conservative values. They should be on the same team right now, but this is just what politics is. Well, so so my hope for the future of the Republican Party is to turn it more towards liberty. And so in this primary, when I hear Vivek Ramaswamy saying we need to fire federal a million federal employees and choose them by their social security numbers, when he's you know actually going out there and and talking intensely about the issues that I care about, you know, people say, oh, Austin, he's just telling you what you want to hear. But I don't believe that because nobody tells me what I want to hear because I'm a minority <laughs> within a minority within a minority, right? I'm a secular libertarian Republican. Like, it, it's just nobody thinks what I think. There's like 10 of us out there, right? There are dozens of us, dozens, okay? So, yeah. so my hope is, and the reason why I'm leaning towards Vivek in this primary is because one, we don't have a very good bench in the Republican Party. We're like the party of old dudes, and we could really use some fresh young talent. So I'm hoping, I don't think Vivek is going to win, but I'd like to see him perhaps take a position in the administration or at least maybe run for Congress in the future. So, and I want to see the Republican Party take up more of the values of Vivek. Ron DeSantis has troubled me with some of his authoritarian takes in Florida, and then his campaign, having sort of stumbled out of the gate, has made me think that it's worth more of my time to spend supporting Vivek Ramaswamy than Ron DeSantis. I haven't appreciated what he's done with Disney in Florida. I don't think that that was the right the the right way to handle that. I I think that oh, I'm, I'm completely I'm completely shocked from a libertarian perspective. He even the playing field. Disney had special tax rates. They had a special airport. They had special zoning I laws. I understand. They had, court, they had <laughs> the that type of been corporatism on, that libertarian. But that should have been passed on. Those way. same those same tax benefits and those same uh, the 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 handling of their utilities should not have been passed on to the taxpayer. It should have been passed on to their. Uh, those benefits should have then been given to their competitors, to Universal Studios, to the the no, multitude instead, of theme but parks. But instead, he took he took it away so that they're treated exactly how SeaWorld and Universal Studios and Gatorland. And every other amusement park is treated. So all he did was, I think, what libertarians want, which is an even playing field, as opposed to one corporation getting a special set of rules. No, no, I'm not as concerned about a level playing field as much as I am concerned about more libertarian policies being enacted. Disney did have a special deal that they they have their own fire department. They take care of their own roads. They, they have their own police for, uh, force to a certain extent. Those kinds of things take away the burden of the taxpayer. Those benefits should have been passed on to their competitors in order to, if you want to leave, level the playing field, it should have been leveled in a more limited government way rather than to punish them for their free speech, which I, I actually believe, just like I agreed with Citizens United, right? I don't agree with Bernie Sanders or the populist take on this, that, you know, corporations don't have free speech. I do think that they have free speech, which again, makes me a minority, minority, minority. But again, that's neither here nor there, because I think that the reality is I don't see DeSantis as a viable presidential candidate and, and convince me otherwise. Why should I take away my support from a candidate like Vivek Ramaswamy, who's, who shares my values and doesn't seem to have many authoritarian impulses, despite the fact he does have a few and there have been things I've disagreed with him on publicly. But what's the advantage of supporting DeSantis, for example, when it, it seems really we're all really just fighting for second place? Well, I, I don't think, I think DeSantis is the only one not fighting for second place. I think Vivek is running to be, he's not running for president, he's running to be in a Trump cabinet or maybe for Congress or to be senator from Ohio or something like that. 
just real quick on the Disney thing. Let, let's just kind of agree to disagree on that on, because we're really we're not we're not disagreeing on the on that there should be an even playing field. We're disagreeing on how the government can sort of operate to make you're, you're basically saying, OK, give them all the same benefits. I'm saying remove all the benefits. That's an interesting discussion, which we should fund for another time. But I but we're both agreeing in the in the idea of uh, of equality for these companies. So uh, let's just put that aside for a second. Uh, the Vivek thing's been kind of disappointing to me because, again, I think he's not, you know, if you were running for president right now, you would be attacking Donald Trump. There's only one guy. You would be going after the number one guy. Why is it that the Trump people, Charlie Kirk, Jack, Jack Posobiec, all the usual Trump people on Twitter, they all love Vivek? Why is it they love Vivek? It's not just because he's saying the things they want to hear. It's because they know there is some deal with Trump. Trump makes deals. Come on. We all know it. So if we're going to honestly assess this stuff. They're, you know, if they hate DeSantis, a guy that they all loved two years ago during COVID and thought was, the, you know, he was the, the, the star, the future star. They now hate him because he's the only threat. Why is it that even in the last week, if you look at what the post Trump puts out on Truth Social, why is he always going after DeSantis? He won't even say his real name, claiming that he has no chance and he's up by 50 points on this loser. But then we'll say nothing about Vivek and basically says nothing about Nikki and everything else. Like you have to think. Like nobody in the history of politics, not just American but, politics. But if that's true, that's smart because I think if you are all competing for second place, and I know you disagree on that, then it would be wise for you to put yourself in a situation where you can affect the future of the Republican Party. And if uh, and if Vivek is you're talking, you're talking about Vivek, Vivek, right? And and if he is in that situation doing that, then that's actually very intelligent. And I hope he succeeds in that because you know this is the guy who's hanging out with Ron Paul. This is the guy who's out there you know, kicking with my people. He even went and met with the Libertarian Party of Iowa when, when he was there, which I think is pretty ballsy as somebody who's a Republican presidential candidate. But I guess my, my yeah, last yeah, question- by the way, to, to, to be clear yeah. though, I, I don't have, I've been disappointed in the way he's campaigned. I think he's done a lot of cheap stuff on the debate stage. He's done some nice stuff too. Um, but it's, but then, you know, if, you're, if your campaign slogan is gonna be truth, then get out there and say, look, Trump's my guy. I'm up here because I'm brand building and I want a future. Like you're, that's basically what you're saying. So then, if he's Mr. Truth, get out there and say it. Everyone knows there's only one guy who offers the competition to Trump. That's DeSantis. Look, maybe it doesn't happen. I, I do think he's going to win Iowa. Maybe he doesn't. And you know what? You can win Iowa and still lose. I mean, Ted Cruz won Iowa in 2016. But I think it's. I think had Trump not been running, everyone knows. I've said it three times now. Everyone knows that DeSantis. Is, is the best shot we've got as anything remotely close to Republicans or conservatives or limited government people or libertarians or anything else. He's the best shot we got, and, and I suppose we shall see. But, I, but these polls, I mean, I posted one of the, the things with Trafalgar yesterday, like 100,000 people were called, only 1,000 people responded. Does that, seem, does that seem like an honest poll to you? No, I, and I don't believe the polls, Dave, but I, and I'm being I know I'm being selfish with your time. So I'll ask you one last question and then we'll let you go. Um, but do you think that if DeSantis doesn't win Iowa, then that's it? No, I think there's a couple week window there. Probably you got to get through three or four primaries. You know, South Carolina is going to be really weird because Nikki's former governor there. You know, like there's there's some weird stuff to happen at the beginning. But this is where we all just get like kind of lost in the nonsense. You know, we've been fighting this thing out for a year. We're both sort of in agreement that the polls don't make much sense. It's like, okay, so if DeSantis wins Iowa by one point, does that give him the juice to get for three more? If 
if he loses by four, is that much worse than, than winning by one? It's like, we got to let some of this stuff breathe. Uh, but I would say to your audience that obviously skews more, let's say, on the Trump side of this stuff. It's like you don't have to uh, also try to absolutely destroy the guy that we know is the best governor. He's taking his best shot here and you may not like it, um, but you don't have to go every the Soros stuff is not true. The Paul Ryan stuff is not true. The Carl Rove stuff is not true. The COVID stuff is not true. I could keep doing this. And I think if everyone could just ease up the way I defended Donald Trump on Bill Maher's show on Friday. I completely called out the beautiful job, by the way. And and everybody yeah. is giving you kudos for uh, for defending him on his remarks about the people on both sides. You're the well, I don't see any I don't see any of the Trump people giving me kudos for oh, it. Well, but. see, but here's the difference is that I, even if some of my people are more, a little more pro Trump, um, I will gladly go no, and I, for Ron DeSantis. So, yeah. you know, I, I think he has done a good job. And I do think that there are criticisms to be, criticisms to be made. I think the campaign has been run poorly. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, there are some things that could be improved, but I, I would ha- gladly vote for him. Dave, I know I'm running out of time with you, sir. Is there anything you'd like to plug or share with our audience before I let you go today? Austin, I will reiterate what I said to you in the hallway at that Liberty Fest a couple of years ago. You are still on the short list of the same people that I know. So it's all good. We will do this anytime. And uh, and I started a tech company to, to free us from big tech. So rubenreport.locals.com. Uh, we merged locals with Rumble. And I know you're on Rumble and you're on the front page right now. That's a beautiful thing. We are, we are basically the last types of freedom on the internet. Uh, Elon's doing the best he can. But basically, I think, I think Twitter or X and rumble like that's pretty much it and that and we're going to keep building the best we can dave it's amazing what rumble has done it's completely transformed my small business me and my wife are just every day so thrilled at what rumble has done to help us to grow and we're grateful for you and what I'm rumble has done that. so thank you very much for your time good luck out there in the campaign and thank you for being so generous with your time and merry christmas dave merry christmas my friend good to see you thank you very much dave rubin what do you guys think let's give him a round of applause what do you say hit the applause button <laughs> Well, I am sorry that we didn't have enough time to get to that other question. I know you guys were really interested in it, but we just didn't have enough time. There's, there was so much DeSantis stuff to talk about. Maybe another time soon, though. We'll see. You guys rock. Don't you just love the Wake Up America show? We're killing it. Thank you, Rumble. And thank you to Dave's, Dave Rubin. I almost said Dave Smith. Thank you to Dave Rubin for joining us on the show today. Man, we have been having way too much fun with these shows, don't you think? It's just crazy. How dare you say that we have too much fun? No, you're right. We can't have too much fun. If you're joining us here live for the first time today, welcome. Make sure that you click like and subscribe before you go. You got to hit the subscribe button because I know what'll happen. You'll say, who is that nameless chubby guy uh, who I can't remember and I, I really liked his show and I wanted to watch it again tomorrow, but you forgot who I was. You won't have a problem finding me if you click that subscribe button, right? I'm rum- at rumble.com slash AP for Liberty. And need I remind you, that over at apforlibertyshop.com, not only do we have delicious founding flavors coffee, which I highly encourage and recommend that you try if you haven't yet, don't forget that our Martha's Mint flavor is only seasonal, so it will be gone by the end of this month. Grab yourself a bag before it's gone of Mount of founding flavors coffee, Martha's Mint. Real quick, just an FYI, we got who uh, we've got twenty percent off Hildozers. So if you guys want to get yourself a model killdozer, I've got five of these. And then when they're gone, they're gone. I don't really care to make them, but Robbie, George really wanted one. So I fired up the printers. So if you want to get yourself a cool 3D printed killdozer, it is 20% off of this price. 
So head over to apforlibertyshop.com, stock up. Uh, the, you'll see the 20% discount in your, and we also got like Killdozer shirts and Killdozer candles and fun stuff like that too. So go over to apforlibertyshop.com, get 20% off of your 3D printed Killdozer. And of course, our brand new All-American Custom Metal Signs. I'm really proud of these guys. We haven't sold one yet, but I have hope that we will. You can get them from 12 inches to 30 inches. So they come pretty big, actually. You can personalize your signs. Sometimes we get this little error loading personalization and it just sits there. Sorry about that. If you have that problem, just you pull it up on your mobile phone at apforlibertyshop.com. Get yourself a metal sign. You'll get it by Christmas if you order today. They ship pretty fast. And oh, you have to get this, the hanging hardware as well. It doesn't come with it. Sorry about that. Uh, so yeah, so make sure you order the hanging hardware with it if you want it. Or you can just mount it yourself at apforlibertyshop.com. I think today was an awesome show, don't you? I mean, Dave Rubin, Camelia Peterson, John Miltimore, two hours of fun, freedom, and liberty. We'll see you guys here tomorrow. It's Wednesday, which means big brain time with Judge Napolitano on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. We'll see you later.